everybody, this is Rowan with Predators Can Be Choosers, and today I have my friend Ren, and we're going to be talking about, we're going to be dispelling a myth, and the myth is that if you have an out-of-hospital birth, or community birth, as I like to call it, and community birth, I think, focuses on where the baby is born, as opposed to the point of not in the hospital, because that's not important here. The important part is that your baby was born in community, and community can be a birth center or home birth. So we're distilling the myth that if you have a perfect community birth, that you somehow will not have any type of postpartum mental health issues, right? So Ren's uh, been very kind, and she knows that we're recording and that we're going to talk about this today. So Ren, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, My name is Ren, and um, I have been married to my husband for 12 years now. I have five children. Um, four of which are biological and one adopted. Um, I uh, I don't know what you what I can talk about. Uh, I love children. I love cats. I love uh, all things hippie and natural. And um, and then I'm also uh, a health coach. I specifically love dealing with either women who desire to get pregnant or um, after after being pregnant. Um, just because of my own story and what I had gone through after my birth, after having four children of my own. Um, so this, y'all are my people, <laughs> um, because like I said, because I, I, I get that and I'm there. So I'm, I'm really thankful to uh, be here with you, Rowan, in a part of your space. I've known Rowan for a while now, and uh, I just, I love you, and I'm really thankful that you asked me on. Thank you. I knew that you were pretty game when one day I was reading, writing a newsletter. It was about, I don't know, like five or six years ago. And I needed a picture of somebody stepping on a, a piece of hose, an outdoor piece of hose. Do you remember that? And I was like, um, yes, you go I outside do. I take a picture of yourself stepping on a hose. And you're like, what? And I was like, because I was like in the flow of writing and I didn't want to stop what I was doing. And you were asking me something via text. And you're like, like this. And I was like, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I needed. <laughs> Usually when Rowan asks me if I'll do something, it's usually like, totally. Like, I don't think I've ever turned Rowan down. I'm just, I, I just have loved you from the beginning. So I can't help it. <laughs> I felt that way about you when you pulled up in your husband's big Jeep. And I was like, what is this? This is a great. So we liked each other immediately. It was. Um, it was the instant connection, I think. That's right. So two things I want to bring up right now is, um, for folks who maybe don't get to the end of this video, how can they best connect with you? Uh, best connection right now, um, as I'm still working on my website, is uh, my Instagram handle. Worth It's at Worth It Wellness, and it's all one, smush it all together, no spaces, no underscores, Worth It Wellness, and that's the best way to get in touch with me, um, to find out when I'm going to be open for accepting one-on-one clients. I wanted, uh, we're going to be starting up a group session for women that we can really um, hunker down with each other and really share and connect with one another and build our own community no matter where you are. Uh, So you don't have to be local to join this group. Um, I'm going to be setting up some uh, classes um, like how to detox your life and and what steps you need to take to kind of detox your all your personal products and um, uh, everything from outdoors to indoors, kitchen, body, everything in between. So, um, and then I get to share a lot of uh, my life on there and you get to see what it's like to, um, what, what it's like for me to raise a family of five children, 
I deal with my own chronic illness issues. I have, you'll see pictures of cats, crystals, essential oils, all the fun things. So I really hope you join me on uh, Worth Fit Wellness. Great. So one thing that I think is cool, there's, there seems to me like healthcare providers um, and coaches or, you know, however, however you identify are in, in the trenches that it's one of two journeys, right? It's somebody who's like walked that and like really researched the shit out of it. And then it's like, wait, okay, this is what worked for me. And it may or may not work for you. And I have all these other things to like, as you figure out your own journey of what works for you, which is, I think the model that you're in and the model like me is like, you know, cause I'm a midwife and on data in general. Um, for the midwifery, like I have had zero biological children, mostly because I'm gay and I never accidentally got pregnant. I was <laughs> pregnant briefly for a friend doing insemination and I miscarried it like six weeks. It was like super early, you know, um, enough that I was like kind of what's going on, but not like emotionally detached, which is not everybody's story, but that's mm -hmm. just mine, right? So just very briefly pregnant. So, um, but I always knew I wanted to be like a midwife or like help people have babies and grow their families. And that was like the most feminist thing. You know, my mom was so pleased, you know, my 70s feminist mother. So it's interesting because you have that different journey where you've like walked some real intense stuff and this is how you navigated your way out of it and are there to role model to other people and also to role model to other people how they can navigate their own journey, even if it doesn't replicate yours exactly. So I like that a lot. I also like that um, you're doing the digital work because I have um, a um, um, support group that's every other Tuesday. You can join us live or then there's a podcast that um, Craigie Cindy chooses. And the podcast specifically is Afterbirth and that's a postpartum group. And right now we're mostly Houstonians, but like people, somebody came from Trinidad one time, DC, you know, like it's fun. These are all people that I tangentially know but um, it's cool. So props to you and business building and health and wellness and I love all of this. So today the myth that we're really going to work on busting is that if, and maybe not busting, but like kind of teasing apart is that if you do everything right, shit can still go wrong. So uh -huh. do you want to tell us a little bit of how you chose a community birth? Because you chose this for not your first child, but your second, right? Or is it third? I can't remember. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my first two were in hospital births. Um, I was already kind of heading down the path of a more natural birth with my second uh, child that was in the hospital, had a doula and all that. And then once I got pregnant with my third, I knew for a fact we were going to, um, I wanted to be in the hospital. I, I watched the documentary Business of Being Born. I think that's the classic, like, you, you're on the fence about a home birth, you know, or a community birth, um, you know, watch that movie. And so I watched that and I read and I spoke to friends and, and it just fit and it, it lined up with uh, my heart and my values and of course my partners. And so we, so it basically started with our third, having him, um, he was born um, in the water, surrounded by our friends and our um family and our other children and our midwives. And so it was just very easy for us to choose, obviously, to have the next one in the same fashion, because I just love the vibe of uh, of how that felt for us. Like I said, I, I could be very comfortable in my own home. And my animals were around me and my and whoever I chose were with me and supporting and um, it was just a very comfort. I love the energy that was brought in from each person I chose to be there. Um, so like I said, it was a very easy, uh, it just lined up really well for our heart. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it.
Getting back to our real talk, afterbirth style. Sorry, my cat is like straight A destroying something. <laughs> so I'm a little bit distracted. Sorry. But um, I am hearing that this was like a really beautiful and like kind of a spiritual experience, right? When you had this baby and. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with, with both of my uh, uh, babies born at home, it was very incredible because, uh, well, each one were so different, um, but I'll, I'll speak to the one who um, I know that we're getting to kind of referencing with all the, the mental health things that happened afterwards. Um, it was just like a very like light and, and very happy and funny birth. Um, uh, we started, I think it was at 1 PM one day and I, and my mother-in-law came over because my husband worked really far. So it was going to take him a little while to get home. She came in, tended to the other kids and I called my doula and, you know, everybody starts kind of floating in and doing what they do. My best friend came over and she's bringing food and she's trying to get me fed. I'm on the birthing ball. Fast forward 36 hours later of being at home and I was very cranky and uh, my husband and my friends always like to say I threw a, a hissy fit the whole time because I was so over it. There's just tons of pictures of me like very dramatically like throwing myself back saying I'm over this and I didn't want to do it. Um, but it was just funny because we would all laugh. I would throw a fit and I'd say, I'm going, I'm leaving. And they would all say, where are you going? <laughs> You're having a baby. So it was just really light and, and fun. And then, of course, when I get into the pool um, or into the, the tub in my living room and I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of riding the waves, um, I, the news was on and it was rodeo time. And they were they had a kangaroo on, like this tiny, cute baby kangaroo. And I'm watching the news in transition, basically. And um they had this kangaroo and in all my emotional state, I said, somebody please buy me a kangaroo. <laughs> and I was just wanted this kangaroo so bad. And then probably 10 minutes later, my, my little Rowan um, was born. And so it was just so fun and so light. Like, you know, it was just not what is ever portrayed. Of course, it was just happy and funny and people still reference like, Ren wanted a kangaroo in her bird. <laughs> like, and so we just had such a good time and the energy was so light and happy. And, you know, he came in where everybody was giggling over the kangaroo. Like it was just a really great experience. And, you know, just even after 36 hours of labor, which I will remind him of when he's older, but, you know, it was so light and fun and it was very enjoyable. So what did your aftercare look like? Um, my aftercare um, was taken very seriously. I have a incredible partner who was very attentive to all my needs. He would not even allow me to go to the bathroom without assistance. Um, well, what I did have a, a slight um, bit of bleeding um, that was taken care of very easily. Um, just, I was dehydrated and, and things like that from just having so, a lot of it. I want to say something real quick here that um, it may not be apparent on the screen here or maybe anybody who's listening to the audio on this that um, Ren is a very tiny person. I'm a very big person and like I think I weigh three times what Ren does. So Ren's <laughs> a real petite person and I'm a real big person. So it's always <laughs> when we're together trying to do stuff. 
Um, but yeah, so you're tiny. And I want to remind people that when somebody has blood loss during a birth, almost everybody loses some blood because mm-hmm. um, that's what happens when the placenta detaches and the uterus shrinks down and whatever. But it's how the person responds to the blood loss. So some people, they lose a little bit of blood and their body responds as if it's like catastrophic. And then some people lose a huge amount of blood and their body doesn't you know, seem to notice at all. But, um, but for Ren, being a tiny person, like almost like I think less than 100 pounds, not to overexpose like, you know, how tiny you are, but a little bit of blood loss, you know, like on a tiny body can, you know, like it's proportional. So yeah, I just want to th- say that. Yes, yeah. Thank you for, for saying that because uh, it never had happened to any of my other births. And so, but I am, I usually only end up weighing about 130 pounds full on nine months pregnant. Um, so I am very teeny tiny. I'm only about five one, usually about a mm, hundred ish pounds normally, you know, not pregnant. And so, um, so yeah, so it and just happens. And the powerhouse. <laughs> yes. I come, uh, I come packing a punch. She may be little, but she is fierce. Definitely applies. Um, uh, I think everybody underestimates my size, so I have to take up more because I don't take up a lot of space physically. I have to take up a lot of space with my voice. Um, so I did lose a little bit of blood, but again, it was very managed and, and there was no need for any alarm or concern. Um, but because of that, I needed to be very careful, just standing up too quickly, doing too much. I just, you know, and this was only a couple hours after birth and I I had kicked everybody out. I said, okay, you've been here 36 hours. Goodbye. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'll see you later. And I walked to the bathroom and and felt some wooziness. And my husband was right there. So he he was very um, protective. Uh, we do a weekend bed. I'm not allowed to get out of that bed unless I'm going to the potty or I'm getting in the bath with a baby. That That's kind of the rules that we've set for each other. And um he brings me lots of food, whatever sounds yummy to me, uh, lots of hydration. Uh, I drink lots of kombucha after birth, um, lots of cuddles. Uh, lot, I mean, baby doesn't leave my sight. I mean, even when grandma comes over, who had watched the birth, uh, she's only allowed to hold baby in my room with me watching Um Siblings, of course, can hold baby, but always me right there. We we just stay very, very close. And um, so, you know, like like you said in the beginning, we did all the right things. You know, him taking care of my nutrition. He would make. He's a master smoothie maker. The man can pack a ton of food into a smoothie, and so he'll he will make me smoothies. And you know, then as the week is kind of progressing, he will allow me a little fresh air, you know, towards the end of the week as I've gotten better. We'll sit outside. I'll use my oils. Um, like I said, breastfeeding on, on demand, lots of herbal baths, like all, you know, we do, like you said, all the quote unquote right things, you know, there is never anything missed. I'm very cherished and nourished after having babies in my family, everybody takes it very seriously. So, um, I so yeah. jump in. Here yeah, go ahead. Um, one is that when, sorry, the cat, um, <laughs> with Mike, that um, when you say like not allowed and stuff, I just want to 
let it be clear that Mike is not um, an abusive or. Oh, no. These these are things that you guys had set up as a family and he was helping reminding you how to do these things. Am I getting that right? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. He honors what I have to say, but sometimes I have to, um, he knows that I'm a very strong, powerful woman and I'll, and I do what I want. (laughs) And, um, but I have to tell him, Hey, you need to remind me, like, keep your caboose in the bed, you know? And so it's, it's definitely Mm -hmm. a very, it is a very safe situation with Mike. I know Rowan knows Mike well. And, um, I always feel very safe and very, very supported by him. He is the number one fan of the Ren Club here and supporter yeah. of me. So, um, so I just so, wanted yeah, to so, say that because if I heard that from somebody else, like he's not allowed, I'm like, well, screw him. But <laughs> right, no, Mike, and I no. know that he's helping you with the things that you guys have set up as a family. So Ab- absolutely. And he has to but, remind, you know, because I, I will start to feel really good towards the end of the week and or even a couple of days in. So I'm like, oh, hey, like I can breathe now because I don't have an eight pound baby like pushing into my lungs. Let me go clean the bathrooms upstairs. And he will say, no, (laughs) you're allowed to sit in that bed and to rest your body. And that's what's most important. So it's like a reminder more than like a not being allowed to just a a nice reminder. Like if this is truly what's best for your body, because this is what we have agreed on as a family and as a a partnership, um, as Because that's a big deal to me, just as writing a birth plan is also getting in good connection with your partner towards the end of your birth. So you can have some good, um, you know, idea of what you want your postpartum care to look like. You know, hey, remind partner, please remind me to be in bed for the full week. I really want to be in bed. Uh, don't let me fight you with it. Tell me to get the caboose back in the bed. So I think those are also really great things. Just from my standpoint, has always been really helpful to facilitate uh, great healing and great bonding with our babies and our spouses or partners. My second thing that I want to bring up is, did you uh, encapsulate or ingest your placenta in any way? Yes, absolutely. Um, I did that with uh, both my uh, home births. And so, yes, so I was taking placenta regularly. All right. Those are my questions. Keep going. Keep going. This is great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So uh, I would say, do you want me to go ahead and start talking about all the, all that, all that came after. So everything was really good. Um, like I said, I had a really great first week of, of postpartum time. And then of course I still do things very slowly. I take the fourth trimester very seriously. Um, but I also have, I had three other kiddos. Um, on top of the the baby, the newborn, so my little Rowan. And so, you know, life just kind of starts getting back into it. Um, I want to say probably about three months in, and my husband just left or he would tell me the exact, he's so good at dates. Um, I started to notice some anxieties. I started to notice some things start creeping in on me. Like, um, I would just get very nervous. Uh, I, I remember the first time it happened, I was going to get a haircut and I had him in the the stroller. I had my other kiddos with me. I was getting a haircut from a, a woman who has cut my hair many times. No big deal. You know, I felt this was not a new anything for me. And I just became so overwhelmed with the idea of walking in there with all the kids and the baby and, and, I, you know, called my, my husband and I said, oh my gosh, what's happening? And that was kind of the first moment I felt like 
things were starting to head in a different direction. Um, I would just struggle with him leaving me during the day he was, you know, working, of course, out of the home. And he's, you know, worked at this, at his company for many years. So again, nothing was different, but it just felt very, very scary for him to leave me alone. I just felt very anxious. Just one of those, like, you know, if you see thunderstorms building and you start to get anxiety and you're nervous about a thunderstorm, you know where it's coming from. This was not that. This was like everything seemed to be fine. You know, I had, you know, my kids were in great health and great spirits and there was, my baby was very healthy. Like there was nothing to be, you know, what I would consider concerned about or to grow anxiety over, but I just did. And it just kept building and building and building until um, I really struggled to leave the house. I was really at that point, um, really having a hard time leaving. I could definitely not leave by myself. Um, I could only leave with my husband. I started to gain some really um, bizarre fears. Uh, we had a two-story home at the time and walking up the stairs would make me nervous. I don't know if it was because I would get a little winded or you know, what would happen, but I stopped walking up the stairs. I wouldn't even go upstairs. Um, everybody just, we all co-slept and I always say it's like a frat house in my house because it's just wherever anybody lands some, t some nights. And, and so it just these kind of bizarre to me, just not normal to me, um, phobia started to pop up and it just got worse and worse. And I was just really just having constant anxiety around nothing, just feeling those fears of that dread you know, that inner, like something awful is going to happen at any moment, but the sun is shining and everybody's happy and playing, but I just couldn't, I couldn't break free of it. And, um, we, um, we ended up moving out of our home, um, and moving into another home, a one story home. And it still was the same. Like I just couldn't get better. And, and that's where I had found you Rowan. And I think you had made I think I saw your post off somebody else's post or what is, you know, how Facebook works. And, um, you had talked about getting a spot on your table and I didn't even know what that meant. I had no idea what Rowan did quite honestly. And, but I, I, I emailed you right away and I said, you know, Rowan, I don't know what you do. I don't know what I need from, I was like a desperation call for you. I think, I think that you've said that to me before. Like this was like a desperation, like, I was in trouble. And you said, absolutely, come over here. Let's do it. And I had so much fear driving to you and, and coming to you and what that would look like and even what our session would look like. Um, but that's how we started really working together. And I think we were meeting, I think every month for, I think it was like six months, I believe, um, working through uh, anxieties and fears. And then you do a little body work and uh, you know, I'd sit and hold little baby Rowan and, um, and it, but it took many, many months of doing many things. Um, but one of them was seeking help, seeking your guidance, um, where I felt like I was kind of coming back to Ren to balance again. Good, good. And what, because it was a pretty dark time before it got better. So what are the things, like, can you tell us the timeline of what it, of, I guess the timeline of what it, how long it took for you to start feeling like yourself again? And then what are some of the, like, just briefly touch on some key elements that helped you with that? 
Uh, yeah. Um, it got, I was pretty dark for, let me think here, probably for a good, I want to say nine months. I was going to say six months. And then I'm thinking in my head, my kids say probably a year. So we'll cut it and, and make it about nine months. Um, it was probably a good nine months of, I mean, really, really struggling. Um, I struggled with, you know, the anxiety and the agoraphobia, which of course for me just kind of pushes me into a depressive state because I don't feel like I'm living my life. And, um, you know, I, I can't do the things I want to do. And struggled with a lot of suicidal ideolations and that was really hard because I have this newborn who I am enamored with. I love this baby and I wanted this baby so badly and now I'm what and now I'm I'm struggling with the fact that I want to leave all my babies. And so it was it was really it it got very dark um and really dark for a whole family. And I think a lot of the things that helped were seeing you. I think seeking outside outside guidance was really key for me because you were able to see some things in a different light and in a in a non-bias. Like, you know, it's it's great to have a supportive partner. And I do think that that's a big part of it as well. But it's also he's so involved. You know, he's so invested. And so to kind of seek outside help. Um, and, you know, we spoke about so many different things, you know, letting go of toxic friends and, you know, uh, uh, changing my vibration and what can I do to feel good colors that I could wear, like things that were simple in, it, in and of itself, like changing the color of a shirt you're wearing, but meant a difference in how I was feeling for sure you know, putting my feet outside and touching the earth and touching mother earth and, and feeling grounded, um, eating, um, making better choices at that, at one point I was just eating to just get in nourishment because I was nursing. I am a teeny tiny person. I lose weight very easily, um, where it becomes not safe, you know, for my body, it's not good for myself to, to be so, to be so thin. And so I was eating just everything. And while that was working, it was also, I was not making great health choices, you know, great choices. You know, I was eating a lot of pastries and a lot of cinnamon rolls and that nourished my soul, but I also needed to nourish the physical part too. So I started to transition and my husband um, really helped support that, you know, with my smoothies and, you know, we, we got into a little bit cleaner um, eating. Uh, I also did some work with um, a woman uh, uh, kind of on my side of town who did cranial sacral, she did some um, energy healing, which what I think was also hugely beneficial because I, for me personally, I do believe that there's an energetic component to it. And so I kind of started putting, you know, the eating, you know, nourishing my body correctly. I was making sure I was resting. I was trying to move my body a little bit, even if it was just walking around the, the block or walking around the yard, you know, it didn't have to be, I didn't have to go hiking. I just needed to do a little bit um, I started taking some supplements. I started to just really slow, like minerals and magnesium and B vitamins, the very, very simple vitamins that I was lacking um, that also really helped boost um, my, you know, nutrient levels and and help. Um, I, I, I'm certain I was deficient in these things, which also really helped. So 
And then slowly it started to, I started to see the light, you know, I started to see that tiny, you know, the tunnel was very dark and then you just start to see the, the light at the end just kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger as you go grow closer and closer. And um, so, yeah, so it, it was a, it was a long process of, uh, of working really hard on myself, but it also taught me a lot of, I have to put myself first. I am a mama to these four babies at the time and I have to nourish myself. I have to feed myself properly. I have to move my body. I have to see Rowan when I need to see Rowan. I have to see my energy, you know, an energy healer. Uh, you know, I need to, uh, you know, keep organized if, if that's helpful for me to keep a organized planner to track our day, you know, to whatever I needed to do to help myself. I need to do that because it only rippled out into my kids you know, they feed so much off of my energy and how I feel. Once everything started to rise back up for me, it was just a ripple of good things. And of course, you know, then they start eating better Then the, then they're outside running the yard while you're, you know, walking the perimeter of your backyard or, you know, your neighborhood or wherever you might be able to, like, they were enjoying all those things with me. And so, you know, it just kind of even grew my bond with them. And then with my baby, because I was coming back to my baby and he was a fussy baby. <laughs> he was a, he was a fussy pants. And so I really struggled with that too. So it was nice to be able to grow into that connection with him again. We did, I mean, I think he was well over one and we were still doing a lot of chin or uh, chest to chest, you know, a lot of skin to skin um, uh, bonding because we need, we still needed that, you know, we still needed to lay without our shirts on and, and snuggle in really close. Like, um, you know, from the m months that I had missed with him because I was hurt and sad and anxious and frustrated that he was a fussy baby. I just assumed fourth baby, he would, you know, just join in the pack and get with, <laughs> but he didn't get the memo that that's how he needed to be. Um, so yeah, so I, I worked really hard on myself and and I hope that I can lead by an example that my children, as they grow older, and, and if they choose to have children of their own, that they see how important it is to be supported and on all the things that I do. And then, like I said, it just catapulted me into loving on others who also share that struggle and have had to work through those things. And so, you know, mamas with babies are just my jam because... I'm there and I've done the research and I've done the things. And like you said, Rowan, you know, I know there's some things, you know, I tried that didn't work for me. Acupuncture didn't work for me, but it's always a tool in my toolbox that I can pull out for another mom who, and that might yield amazing results. So everybody's different, but um, that's kind of my story and, and how I got to this point today. I wanted to say that, um, you know, to pull it back a little bit, and people might not recognize that what you were doing, because, and this is hard to do, that when you're in a real intense place, you've got to layer your treatment plan. So mm -hmm. you can think of it like, okay, here's a treatment plan. And here's the, you know, I'm going to do this once a week, I'm going to do this three times a week, I'm going to do this daily, like, you know, go outside daily, I might get, you know, acupuncture once a week, I might take my vitamins every day, I might three times a week, take a bath and salt or wear a red shirt or whatever works for you vibrationally, right? So that's creating a treatment plan. So people can write it out or you can make like a pie. Because I used to always think of like my treatment plan like a pie and I would just make little slices of the pie. Like I um, had a herniated disc um, in my lower back like 15 years ago. 
where I couldn't walk. I was walking with a, a staff. Like, I remember one time somebody said, if you throw that on the ground, will it turn into a snake? You know, like, <laughs> it was something I gotten at Ren Fair or something. But it, I needed something big and strong because I'm not such a big person that a little, you know, cane is not going to work for me. Like, I need something really big that I could hold on to. And I had, like, all these wackadoo things that I was doing that helped me. Like, one thing I had to do, um, like, I was doing this like, every other day, was that I was driving to a local quarry that's been filled up by water. And I would float with a noodle, like underneath my armpit and like do passive traction on my spine and kick and do all this stuff. But at the same time, I would wash my hair like once a week because I couldn't stand in a shower. And I lived in an old house. So like, you know, I couldn't really sit in it either with a shower chair. So um, I would wash my hair or I would get my kid to wash my hair with Dr. Bronner's soap, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but I had to write these things down that I was doing because so, I was in so much pain, I would forget. So when I would find something that worked, I would put it into my like, okay, when do I have to do this? So I had to document everything. And, you know, and I too worried about like, how was Rose? She was my youngest. She was 14. No, she was 11. Um, and I remember thinking, I can't kill myself because I have an 11 year old, you know, like I can't do this to her. Um, but that's the level of pain I was in physically. Mm -hmm. And then of course the psychosocial, that comes after that. Right. But I had to like write all this stuff down. And it was only when it was more painful to do the things than the pain I was already living in that I realized, oh, I'm getting better, right? So it can be really hazy. So that's what you were doing. You're creating a layered treatment plan for yourself, which is great. Yes. That's Absol what you were doing. Yeah. Absolutely. I always think of it uh, as like puzzle pieces. Like in order to make me whole again, what pieces of the puzzle do I need to bring together? And so, yeah, like for, I don't believe that we can just do one thing. We can only do acupuncture and everything else can go you know, go to the garbage and that acupuncture is going to save us. Like, I do think it needs to be layered. I think it's a multidimensional um, uh, approach to, to getting better um, because I, I would try that and it, and it would never work. Um, and yeah, I got a, pl a planner. I mean, get a cheap planner, get a piece of paper, like get a post-it note. Like it doesn't matter what it looks like, but get something that you can track on and that you can say Monday, like you said, like I'm doing this. And then it kind of get, gets everything ordered up because it's really easy when you're in the throes of, of the pit or of anxiety or depression. You're like, what day is it? When did I wash my hair again? What was I doing? Have I eaten today? You know, and, and I had to remind myself, like make, drink the smooth, my honey put a smoothie in the fridge drink it you know or he would help and he would bring it to my bedside in the morning to, and he would remind me hey did you drink your smoothie like and just he would help kind of hold me accountable um and make sure that I was eating or I was doing what I said I would do but yeah writing it down was a huge thing for me and and uh, and I still do that with how I'm I'm healing from my own chronic illness journey now is I, I have to write it down and make sure that I'm checking my boxes. A reminder on your phone. That's a great one. I have alarms all the time to do stuff. Like put it on your phone and then it'll beep at you and yell at you when it's time to like take your supplements, take your medication, to, you know, go walk outside, um, put your feet in the mother earth. So I think that's And you can write idea. that on the bottom of your timer, you know, like, oh, yes. it's time to take your, like I knew this guy who was, um, well, I heard a podcast where he was on and while he was on the podcast, his alarm went off and the guy interviewing him said, well, what's that for? And he goes, oh, I try and take my um, 
calm my magnesium supplement, um, you know, an hour before I go to bed. So that's what this is telling me to do. You know, like he had it set up every night where he yeah. had, like optimized what he needed. So I want to ask with this experience, because we've talked a lot about alternative things. Did you ever need to seek um, medication or did you see a therapist? Um, at the time, I did not uh, seek medication, though I've been on medication uh, previously um, because I've always kind of struggled off and on with um, uh, depression and anxiety for as long as I can remember as a, a little kid. I've had panic attacks and things like that. So I was not new to the world of medication. This time around, I chose a different approach to it. Um, but I, I've always said I'm definitely not anti-medication. I'm, I'm pro I'm pro you you know, I'm pro what, what's best for, what's best for Rowan is, is different than what's going to be best for Ren or best for, uh, Angela or, but, you know, best for, you know, Steve, like everybody's going to be different. So, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would say that while I didn't do that, I do encourage like that is, it could be, could be a puzzle piece that you're missing for your, for your plan. And how about a therapist? Because like I'm a low level, you know, like I'm a curandera, so I'm like helping energetic block or to stop energetic leaks. That's like kind of how I approach the work I do. So, um, but there's certainly a higher level of like a trained, you know, psychologist or a therapist or, you know, master's level, whatever. So did you ever in this experience seek a therapist? Uh, n no, from what I was receiving from you, um, I felt for me, I felt felt that this was enough for me to, um, I was able to work out my thoughts with you. Again, I also have a super incredibly supportive partner that I can just, you know, tell him what I need. But, you know, with, with what I was getting from you, I just, I wasn't there where I felt like I needed another layer of, you know, uh, talking, but I do, I think that's also a really, really great piece. Um, to to potentially your puzzle piece because um, you know you find somebody that who is who deals with postpartum depression anxiety agoraphobia OCD mental illness and and they're they're just so honed into it I mean that's that's their niche that's their craft and it's they that would be also really really beneficial I think did you ever go to any postpartum support group um I I think I did. I'm trying to wrap my brain now. Um, I want to say I did a few online things, but I, since I was really struggling with agoraphobia, I was having a hard time leaving the house without my husband to be there with me. Um, but that's the beauty of the internet now. I do think that you can build a really great community um, online as well. With post, I know that you have been offering. Um, some postpartum groups. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That's what I, I had remembered. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's a really, also really great option. Right. And I didn't have that afterbirth support postpartum support group. I've only been doing that about, I think we've hit a year and a half. So that was, you know, like three years too late or whatever for this. Event. Yeah. Yeah. Rowan's about four and a half now. So yeah. 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 So yeah, that would be a really great option for women because then you get to you get to see others mm -hmm. in what they've been going through. And it, you know, depression, anxiety is so isolating because you just think I'm so alone. Nobody else feels like this. I'm the only one. I see the moms on Instagram or Pinterest or wherever. 
and she looks so happy. Why am I such a mess? And it's like when you get to be with others who are like, hey, I'm a mess too. Like, let's be messes together. Like, there's just some, there's just really connection there and, and really great bonds can form where you can become friends or, or even in friends just within that group, just for that uh, season where you like really rely on somebody and they rely on you as accountability partners or just a, a text message in the middle of the night while you're breast up breastfeeding or, or you know feed or bottle feeding your baby and you're like hey I'm just really rough right now can you chat like that's a really great option too right on right on and I take the audio we meet our postpartum group is live but I take the audio and, and then create um, a podcast so that people who are up in the middle of the night who maybe feel lonely can like listen to the group and you know see what's going on and that type of thing. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Just seeing others that where you don't feel so isolated, where you don't feel so alone and by yourself, like I'm the only one that to me can make such a world of difference for your mental health because you're like, I'm not the only one. And that person's struggling too, which is not great. Nobody wants to see anybody else struggle, of course, but you're like, hey, I feel like this too. Wow. Okay. Like, let's feel like this together. Like I said, like, hey, I'm the mess too. Like, so I, I really love that. That's a really great resource for people. Okay. Well, I think we're kind of at time and I think we've talked a lot about this, so that's good. But I think the takeaway here is that even if you do everything right, you mm -hmm. can still have a pretty rough um, postpartum period. And an indicator is that you, and you mentioned this, that if you've had episodes of depression or anxiety or just mental health struggles before you have a baby let's go ahead and plan that you're going to have them afterwards and people can pre-plan their postpartum on things that they're going to do to set to take care of themselves before it gets like a crisis so that's something that people can do and I um, appreciate you talking to us today and a reminder that if you'd like to follow Ren on Instagram it's at worth it wellness so the at is the of course the ampersand no not the ampersand no it's the little at I don't know what the word is for that with the little A with a circle around it. So that's at um, Worth It Wellness. And I'll run together there for people who don't really understand how those work. And that's on Instagram. And we have a forthcoming YouTube channel. This will be posted on the Preggers Can Be Choosers YouTube channel. And I think that's all I got to say right now. Right? We're both in Houston, Texas. And yep. I'm glad that I know you. And uh, Ren and I, I took the super funny picture. I'm a pelvic um, trauma-informed pelvic exam. Um, midwife or whatever and uh, I have the funniest picture of you like with this with a speculum you know <laughs> that's going to go on like the service offerings um, page on my uh, mid my midwifery page so I just love that and I'll probably um, just take a screenshot of what we're doing right now and use that as the um, the picture on the YouTube channel so that um, people know what you look like when they click on it so I love that I you said whatever I'm always game for whatever you have for me Rowan <laughs> you so can true. tell me to do that's anything so true. and that I'm is just, so true I'm just and your like poor Rowan husband. said I, and he does his long along for the ride or I'll say hey Rowan wants me to do this and he's like okay <laughs> he, just, he just but I, I like we said before like I don't know I just walked in and I just instantly fell in love and um you just you're always so close to my heart and I just love you so much and uh, you're so special to me so I'm really honored to be a part of this community um that you're doing it's it's so special to me and I love even though my times of um giving birth have come to a close for me personally you know it's it's still a, a really special part of my life and uh 
like I said, I'm just really happy that you asked me on and, um, you know, we could share this together. I feel the same. Sometimes you meet people and you just know you love them. And that's just it, all there is to it. Instead, I think it. I left that day and I said, Mike, I love Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, she's really cool too. And I'm like, no, Mike, I love Rowan. Like, this is it. You don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. There's a we deep connection there. Yeah. We are. And it is funny because we look so different and, and together we're so different, but mm-hmm. and we just, our souls have connected and aligned. And so, no, I'm, I'm very thankful for you. So, and thankful, like I said, for what you do to this community and, and how you are just paving the way. It, I'm just so proud of you and you're amazing. And if I, and if my, and if business was open, you would be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Right. And I, I feel that too. Um, Alrighty, my loves, that's a wrap. We'll see you in two weeks. Don't forget to grab those headphones. If you need a text reminder, you can go to preggers.rocks, www.preggers.rocks, or preggerscanbechoosers.com. And there's a text reminder that you can sign up for. We're also on Facebook at Preggers Can Be Choosers. There's an event um, invitation that you can sign up for there. And we also have a group dedicated on Facebook dedicated to our podcast listeners. That's the podcast afterbirth group. So we'll hope to connect with you soon. And don't forget, we're launching our prenatal education podcast pretty soon. So we want you to jump in on that as well. Thank you so much and hope you have a great two weeks.